Right, so good morning. You know, are you enjoying our current series entitled Simply Jesus? You know, as Christians, we should be falling in love with Jesus more and more each day, shouldn't we? And what better way to do that than getting to know him better? So this morning, we're going to be looking at the subject of Jesus's truth. And uh, that might appear to be a simple statement. But actually, there's a lot for us to take on board this morning. Hence, you're going to be at the edge of your seat for the rest of our service this morning. You know, because actually, the question is, do you believe that Jesus is truth? And if you do, do you act as if Jesus is truth? And actually, hang on a minute, does any of it matter? What are we getting worked up about? Well, let's find out. If you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 28. And just to set the scene this morning, the chief priests have brought Jesus to Pilate to be tried. And later this very same day, Jesus will be crucified. And what we're going to read is Jesus's defense of who he is and why he came. So let's start at verse 28. This is what it says. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not deliver him over to you. And Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus to him. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king and for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back in outside to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. Right. You know, so as far as conversations go between Pilate and Jesus, ending on what is truth is quite a cliffhanger, isn't it? You know, truth, depending on what you believe about truth, will colour 
the whole of your life. It affects the decisions that you make, how you judge a situation, the people you choose to hang out with, the things that you hold important, what you want to dedicate your time and effort to, and in fact, the whole direction or shape of your life. You know, and as Christians, we should consider truth to be vitally important. Think of the armour of God. Truth is represented as a belt, the thing on which everything else holds together or hangs off. You know, look, I'm wearing a belt. You probably are struggling to see it at the back, but it holds my trousers up. And in fact, you know, belts are often overlooked, aren't they? But they're vitally important. So obviously, you know, Romans didn't wear trousers, I hasten to add, but their belts were important too. You may have heard the phrase, gird up your loins. And that was about tucking your tunic into your belt so that you didn't trip over when you ran. Or more importantly, when you're in battle, your hands are free to wield your sword. In other words, knowing truth helps you stay safe and to stand your ground. We mustn't overlook the importance of truth. If we know that truth is important, but it doesn't answer the question, what is truth, okay? So, the first thing I wanna point out to you today is that truth is universal. You know, how often have you heard it say, uh, that might be true for you, but I believe something else. In other words, what you believe is true, and what I believe is also true, even though our two ideas might be completely contradictory. So does that even work? So I've got a question. Where are the teenagers in the room? Somebody wave at me. Oh, Andy, right. So what is the, what is the equation for calculating the circumference of a circle? Somebody who still does math at school. Right. Good idea. But wait a minute. Joshua, Nathan, you do maths. What is the circumference? Say that again. All right, so pi d or 2 pi r, which is the same thing. Pi r squared, just for those who want to know, is the area of the circle. I did ask Duncan yesterday on Friday, and he said pi r squared too. So you're in good company, but you're wrong. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. So my question is, that, that, that equation, is it only true for circles in the UK? No. Right, time to redeem yourself, brilliant. Is it only true for circles up to a certain size? No, no they can be very big circles, infinitely big circles. Is it only true for today or will this equation still work in 100 years time? Yeah, it will still work in 100 years' time. So if I came up with an alternative equation, like pi r squared, I could choose that, to work out the size of my circumference, it wouldn't work. But according to postmodern thinking, my truth 
is as valid as anybody else's, isn't it? But we all know that if we started manufacturing car wheels, <laughs> using my equation, it wouldn't be very successful. When we create our own truth, it's like a cuddly blanket. It keeps us warm and it makes us feel safe, but it will not protect or give us a firm foundation on which to live. And that's because my personal truth does not necessarily reflect reality. In fact, it can stunt my growth both spiritually and emotionally. It is dangerous. Which is why Pilate was right to ask the question, what is truth? Interestingly, just as our modern world is confused about truth, so it was for the Romans back in Jesus' day. The Roman belief system promoted lots of gods, all of which had different characters and each demanded different ways of being pleased. So 2,000 years ago, Romans like Pilate were starting to ask questions about whether all these good gods could be trusted or believed in. Could they all help? How can you follow one without offending another? Pilate lived in spiritual uncertainty. And in the West for the last 60 years or so, the belief in universal truth has slowly been eroded. As a society, we have chosen to promote our own versions of the truth rather than accept reality. And such attitudes are often seen as being more tolerant or more loving, more accommodating to other people, though they cause discord, uncertainty, and sadly, uh, personal tragedy. So, for example, transgenderism. If you're a biological man, but you say that you're a woman, then increasingly within society, we are all expected to affirm that belief. That's your truth and we will support you in it, even if it means encouraging uh, harmful medical treatment. Now, I hope, I would expect that each of us should be, would be sympathetic and loving to people with gender dysphoria. However, where does it lead? if we affirm that kind of thing. You know, this week I read that Bristol University is now accepting something called cat gender. And it's a thing that, that they have gone so far as to actually publish guidelines on how we are supposed to treat people who want to be seen in that way. And this is just an example of how one thing leads to another thing. And, yeah, when we tell people what they want to hear, what, rather than speak the truth, we are misplacing our love for them. So a common criti criticism of Christianity is that it needs modernising. Ever heard that one? The Bible is out of date. But if you believe that Jesus is truth, and therefore that the Bible, the very word of God, is truth, then you have to be very arrogant to say that you know better. When we reject this truth, we begin to make God 
in our own image, to our own preferences, in our very limited wisdom. And that's a slippery road that will lead to disappointment and regret big time. Truth is universal and it is found in Jesus. So Jesus has already answered the question, what is truth? Back in John 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. You notice that he says, I am the way. And that, that means that there aren't multiple truths, one for you and one for me. In addition, he's saying that he is the author of truth or the source of truth. His whole character, his nature, his thoughts, what he says, what he does, they all display pure truth. So when Jesus says to Pilate, you say that I am a king and for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus is not only saying I am truth, but that he has come into the world to reveal truth to us, to you and to me, to Pilate. Why? Because knowing the truth will set you free. Get that? Knowing the truth will set you free. Jesus says in John 8, if you abide in me, you are truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's one massive claim, isn't it? But in my experience, it's true. Many of you guys will remember becoming Christians. Do you remember, for some of you, that lightness of spirit when you chose to become a follower of him? For me, as a 14-year-old, I was desperate for the approval of others. You know, I'd always been a bit of an oddball at school. I didn't really wear the right clothes. Well, I certainly didn't wear the right clothes. Knew nothing about pop music and didn't share many of the co common experiences with my classmates. I remember when I was in year seven, I went back to my primary school to visit my favourite teacher, Mrs Riley. And the only thing actually I remember of this incident is as I went to see her, she took one look at me and she goes, you still don't have much interest in fashion, do you? <laughs> and that was a really big ouch for me. That really hurt. But you know, when I became a Christian, my outward circumstances, they didn't change, you know. But I had the truth that Jesus loved me and he accepted me. You know, I still went to school wearing this really awful, conspicuously long, by which I mean down here, uh, wrap-around A-line skirt and a pair of red granny school shoes. But Jesus had set me free. I no longer desperately needed the approval of others anymore. I was more relaxed and happy. And funnily enough, as a result, I also became more popular. You know, my mum might have said to me, you look lovely, that's really fashionable, it really suits you. And, you know, if you knew my mum, she probably thought it was true. <laughs> but it wasn't true. And it certainly didn't help. When I, met when I met Jesus, I knew the truth and the truth set me free. You know, I'm, I think that there's something hardwired into each of us that wants to know the truth. 
How often are you disappointed when a loved one lies to you? Or when something really upsetting happens, you have this strong urge to understand why. You know, I believe that God created us that way so that each of us would ultimately seek him. Some people describe it as the God-shaped hole. And this is why when Pilate in verse 33 says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus' response is to ask back, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it about me? In other words, have you noticed the itch, Pilate, that needs a good scratch? Do you really want to know who I am for yourself? Or are you just going through the motions to satisfy others? Truth is universal. But there is only one God, yeah? Only one way to heaven. But we all have to respond individually. And sadly for Pilate, his focus was elsewhere. In his role as governor, his main concern was whether Jesus was a threat to the Roman Empire. Was Jesus a rebel rouser intent on fighting? Did Jesus have aspirations to establish an earthly kingdom for himself? That's what bothered Pilate. But in verse 36, Jesus explains that his kingdom is not of this world. Now that seems to satisfy Pilate. Case dismissed. Yet whatever Pilate stood to lose in this world, wherever he was in the pecking order, whatever his career plans, he was prioritising the wrong thing. The eternal is way more important than the physical present. You know, Jesus, think about it, Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, truth incarnate was standing in front of him. And Pilate squandered that precious opportunity that was being given to him. But, you know, I think that we can be guilty of that too sometimes, can't we? Many of us have made the decision to follow Jesus. But actually, I think we have to consciously decide on a daily basis to be obedient to him. Jesus says in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. One of those times when I was challenged to strengthen my resolve to be obedient to Jesus and his truth was about 15, 20 years ago. You know, at the time, I was a busy full-time mum. I was the church treasurer. I was very active running the church um, toddler group, amongst many other things. And if you'd have known me back then, you'd have described me as faithful Christian, devoted to the Lord. That's the way I was. But <laughs> I felt challenged one way, and a guy called Phil Kingham came to preach at our church. And uh, Phil, he has a real heart for evangelism, for introducing people to Jesus. And I knew that I didn't. And while I've never hidden my faith, I didn't make much effort to talk about Jesus either. I've always made the excuse that my admin skills release others to major in the sharing of the gospel. 
But the truth is, is that God loves the non-Christians around me. And uh, potentially those people won't hear anything of God from anyone else other than me. And that God wants me to participate in the family business. So sure, I'm no Billy Graham, right? <laughs> but I, if I love Jesus, surely that should spill out into the conversations that I have. So I asked Phil to pray for me. And I've got to say that this testimony doesn't end with an earth-shattering miracle. But over time, I have become much more intentional in talking about Jesus. And rather than it being a drag or being stressful, I found it to be fun and liberating. When I talk to the person serving in the supermarket or to the person I sit next to on the bus, it's almost like another dimension of me appears. You know, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And I, I wonder if part of what he had in mind when he said that is that when we step out in the obedience to the truth, our lives become fuller and more rounded. We discover more about who God has made us to be and who he is. Sadly for Pilate, he chose to ignore the truth. In verse 38, he acknowledges that he finds no guilt in Jesus. And yet his wrong priorities lead him to ignore that truth and allow an innocent man to be crucified. We ignore the truth at our peril. But on the flip side, we also need to be careful not to add to the truth. When we do that, the truth gets diluted and eroded. And we find that we are not so secure in our foundations. At the beginning of our passage <clears throat> this morning, Caiaphas, the high priest, brings Jesus to Pilate's headquarters. And he says in verse 28 that Caiaphas did not enter the governor's headquarters so that he would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. And interestingly, in the Old Testament law, you know, Jews were never banned from entering the homes or the properties of Gentiles. Did you know that? Rather, the religious establishment had over time added to the law that God had given them. You know, perhaps you could argue in this instance that, that it didn't matter because Pilate came out to them. Though I guess it could have caused unnecessary offence. We're too good to come in your house. But the religiosity that was being promoted at that time by the Pharisees was harmful. It caused them to disapprove when Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Or, for example, or just as a society, they were forced to live by stricter laws than they needed to. They were imprisoned by religious further, when Jesus came to bring us freedom. And perhaps today we tend to be more guilty of adding to what Jesus has said in other ways. I'm certainly guilty of that. So, a bit of an embarrassing story here. But in my early 20s, I believed that God told me I was going to marry a certain young man who shall remain nameless because it's not Tim. <laughs> Over the course of a 12-month period, I recorded on a number of A4 sheets the things I felt God had said to me. 
about this. You know, I was collecting evidence and I waited with certainty for the day when he would ask me out. Except for one fateful day, he announced his engagement to someone else. Whoa, that caused a major earth trauma in my life. You know, it wasn't so much that I was heartbroken because I got over him quick enough. But he didn't, he didn't deserve me at all. <laughs> Um, but, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> but the shock, yes, but basically there was this shock and confusion of hearing God wrong it was hard to deal with. And actually it really devastated me. I struggled to go to church. I struggled to worship. I struggled to pray. And the disappointment could have easily led me to leave the church actually at that time or to stop trying to talk to God at all. And you see, I'd been building my life on an untrue foundation. You know, so I, I'd put God, I'd made it religious. You know, I was trying to be spiritual. I was trying to hear God, but I had this untrue foundation and it left my faith vulnerable. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible encourages us to learn to hear God's voice. Corinthians says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. But it also says in Thessalonians, do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. You know, put another way, it is good for, here to, for us to hear prophetic words, but then we need to judge or discern whether they are true. We do that by staying grounded in God's word. We can't discern all the voices around us unless we're familiar with his, with the word. So finally, end of my embarrassment. Right, finally, guys, I want to draw your attention to verse 31, 32 of this passage where it says, Pilate said to the Jewish leaders, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own laws. The Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show what kind of death he was going to die. Now, we know it's true that Jews were not allowed to put people to death under, you know, or to exercise capital punishment under Roman rule. However, <laughs> it wasn't uncommon for them to stone people anyway. If you think about Stephen in Acts 7, you know, uh, first Christian martyr, they were quite used to stoning people when they felt like it. But I love these verses because it demonstrates that Jesus is truth and that what he says will prevail. While the Jewish leaders could have whipped up the crowd to kill, to kill him, Instead, for whatever reason, I don't really understand why, they took him to Pilate. And you know that crucifixion um, was a modern Roman invention. And yet, hundreds of years previously in the Old Testament, there are plenty of prophecies describing how the Messiah would die. And in addition, in John 12, Jesus says, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. 
And then John goes on to explain, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. At that point, Jesus was preparing his disciples in advance concerning what would happen to him. They didn't understand it at the time, but when they looked back afterwards, their faith must have grown, realizing the significance of what Jesus had said. You know, for me, this is an example that Jesus is truth and that his truth is trustworthy. What he says will come to pass. I can't understand it sometimes, and sometimes I don't even like it, to be honest. But I cling to the fact that Jesus knows best. You know, sometimes it's only in a crisis that our faith, you know, that we notice our faith under fire, that we discover what we truly believe. Now, I've met people who have said that they believed in Jesus, but then when a tragedy is hit, like a family member dying, um, they lose their faith. How could a God, good God allow for this to happen? Is God there, and does he even care? Um, sadly, Juliet's sister Agnes died last night, and um, she died of cancer, and I'm sure that you guys will be joining me in praying for that family, that they would know God's comfort and love, and that this tragedy would cause them to cling closer to God as they are reminded that our loss is heaven's gain. As Agnes, a child of God, has now gone home. You know, but tragedies like this cause us to either do one of two things. We either reject God or we cling closer to him. And I think this is why Jesus told us to build our house on a firm foundation, to build it on the rock, you know, this, the parable of the wise and foolish builder. When we consciously do that in the good times, we're much better prepared when the storms of life come. You know, it's like our faith is like a garden. And if our gardens are to survive... They need cultivating. So I'm quite lazy, so my garden doesn't do too well. It's all dead at the moment. (laughs) But a garden needs taking care of. And so does our relationship. Well, all of our relationships need taking care of, don't they? But particularly our relationship with God. So there's a few things I just want to say in ending perhaps ways that you need to think about, you know, is this something that I need to do more, do better, prioritise more? The first one is to know the truth, by which I mean spend time with Jesus and soak on his word. You know, Pete said um, at the end of worship, um, make space and time for Jesus. Put him first in your life. That's what we need to do, number one. Secondly, we need to to stay humbly submitted to the truth. You know, when we get arrogant and think that we know better, we're stepping into dodgy ground. Stay humbly submitted to the truth. Next, practice being obedient to the truth and prioritise it over anything and everything else so that you can discover that It is true in practice. Transfer your head knowledge to experiential knowledge. 
You know, when God tells us to do things or when God says a particular truth, step out and act as if it's true and see what God will do. And you will find him to be trustworthy. And finally, consciously wear truth like a belt on which everything else hangs and holds together in your life. So those are a few things for you to think about. Um, maybe if the band comes up, and maybe actually if we all stand up, because sitting at the edge of the chair isn't that comfortable, is it? <laughs> stand up, guys. And let's put ourselves in a position to just hear Jesus for a moment. What has God said to you as I've been speaking today? Perhaps close your eyes. You might want to position yourself to receive. And then let's just listen to Jesus. What is he saying? What is he saying to you? How does he want your garden of faith to be cultivated? How does he want you to grab hold of that truth more? And this will be different for each of us. There is no right or wrong answer to this. It's that Jesus wants to speak to you and bring him deep bring you deeper into a relationship with him. So let's just listen for a moment and let's respond to what Jesus says. Have we been guilty of uh, creating our own truth? Do we need to repent? Do we need to go back to what the word of God says and say, actually, this is the truth on which I stand. I'm going to stop believing the lies that either I or society have created. That's a really big uh, thing that we are being attacked at with in modern times. Yeah, Jesus, what are you saying? Or is it just that life has become too busy and we haven't had time to spend time with God? Now's the time to, to say sorry for that too and say, Jesus, I want to get to know you better. Show me ways in which I can strategize to have that time, to cut out that time in, in a busy day. That I may know you better. Maybe for some of you, you just struggle to read the Bible and to say, well, God, lead me. Lead me perhaps to a particular book or particular chapters or a particular theme that will help me grow deeper into uh, Jesus and his truth. Yeah. Do your business with God.